In this moment, when the country feels polarized and deeply uneven, unexpected leaders can rise in unusual places. Creative women and men become the channel for ideas that can turn into viral and transformative moments. Matthew Levy Chavez believes his art and creative tools can grow community dialogue and encourage positive activism. His subway therapy project started with only a table and two chairs, a table where New Yorkers would sit and share secrets with him while they were waiting for the subway. The day after the 2016 election, the table became a sacred place for a viral outpouring of emotion. Individuals wrote what was on their minds and in their hearts onto sticky notes. It was a peaceful act of protest, an act of love, a reminder that we are part of a vibrant and diverse community, a reminder of how an act of art can save us. I'm Matthew Chavez, and this is a lesson on the, the things that we hide. What is your earliest memory of being creative? Oh, man. So I, I sort of feel like I have a crafted memory because mm. there's this picture of me on my deck of the home where I grew up in Gilroy, California. And I've, it, I've got this easel and I'm painting with my hands mm. and I'm probably like five, like four or five. Mm. But I don't remember that painting session. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just, I, I've seen the picture. So I have this memory in my head of, of being creative. But I remember when I was really young, writing words with a water hose. I don't know how old I was. I, I probably just learned how to spell. And uh, I was, I was just writing like S you know, A, and I had this hose. And I don't know if it was a particularly intentionally creative act, but I felt so much joy from, you know, whipping the hose around to create letters. Mm. And I was, I, you know, it was like up in the air. So it wasn't like I was drawing them on the ground. It was like, I would just see them for like a half a second. Huh. And I had so much joy from that. I, I'm curious then your background, did you study art? Do you want the long story or the short story? Um, I, I think I could go for the long story. I'm curious. When I was really young, in like middle school, I was super interested in conflict and how people deal with conflict. And I was part of this program where we were conflict managers. So essentially like middle school therapists, I guess, who would yeah. be in between, or, or maybe like conflict mitigators, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if we did a good job, but we were, we did it. <laughs> so uh, that I remember doing a training, maybe I have a Jesus complex or something like that, where I just like want to help people right. in some way. And so in high school, a similar opportunity arose for me to be part of a group called Students Against Destructive Decisions. Let's see, I was a sophomore in high school and I would go and talk to middle schools about the transition between 
junior high and high school. Mm. And then in college, I was a peer counselor in that liminal space between high school and college. I really liked it. It was, you know, you're active, you're there, you help people to transition. And so I started kind of developing this ideological framework around me being like the bag. Like if you're a goldfish Mm. and you're going from the pet store to home, you need that bag that like scoops up the water you're in and then takes you to the new tank. Right. And then you have to sit in the water for a little bit. Like that bag is super important for the fish not feeling shocked when it transfers from the temperature water that it's into the new temperature water, even though the water is relatively the same. Always wanting to be in that liminal space, like the transition place between things really is what my mind was so interested in, like always. And then I studied graphic design when I went to college. Hmm. I was signed up for psychology, but then I changed my mind last minute to want to do something more in the arts. Graphic design seemed like a good path at the time. San Jose State was a great school for it, so I went there. And then I didn't really want to be super in that field because it's very narrow. It's actually really broad now, but at the time it was like, you go to school, you get a job as a graphic designer, and then you work at a design firm. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to work at a design firm, so I started branching out and I found this really wonderful major at San Jose State University called Creative Arts. It was run by an incredible mentor of mine named Shannon Rose Riley. Also, William McCraw was really influential in getting me to think about not just being creative for a job or doing it for whatever reason, but also, you know, why people are creative and how leaders are really creative and and how you can be creative in different non-creative settings. Conflict resolution is creative. Yes. Yeah. Creative and transformative, but because you have to have a gauge on both sides of the story. And then mm-hmm. as you said, you're, you're operating as the bag, but you have to be able to operate the place of harmony. Totally. And so that's so interesting to me that, and not surprising that you found this nonlinear path to what it is you're doing. So yep. describe subway therapy for those who don't know what it became. So subway therapy is an example It's a little bit of performance art and a little bit of social service. And now it's sticky notes, right? People expressing themselves on sticky notes in a public space. Originally, it was me sitting down and giving like fake therapy sessions to people that were walking by in the New York subway. I saw Uh, you had your original sign with Secret Keeper. The original one was I went out and I just thought, "Mm, how do people feel better about stuff they feel bad about? And I grew up Catholic. Mm, me too. And I always thought confession was a weird thing to do. Right. And it, it is a weird thing to do. <laughs> and you go, but you go in and like conceptually, it's great. You go in, you get something off your chest, you like talk about whatever your sin is, and then it's gone, like absolved. Like right. you're not, you're not like carrying it anymore. It should be that you like do whatever you need to do to get rid of it. And then it's gone. And uh, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities for that in secular contemporary society. So anyway, I wanted to see if I could create that. But just in terms of background, all there were so many bricks that were laid that made the foundation that allowed me to do that. 
Yeah, because that's pretty brave in New York. Come on. In New York to go out and to take confession, let's just say that, from strangers who could be crazy, armed, any Uh number of things. And you – I saw some photos. You you dressed fairly conservatively in in the photos when you – I don't know if you always are, but it's just interesting. When I first started doing Secret Keeper, I just had street clothes on. Nothing too crazy. And then once that evolved into subway therapy, I made it more of a performance. Right. So I would dress in a suit. I don't know. I just thought it was funny and weird. And I had this brown suit. I think I freaked my mom out because (laughs) I was on the West Coast. And my best friend and I decided that we were going to live in the same city after we graduated from college. And he ended up landing as a lawyer in New York. And so I just knew I was going to be here. All of the background aside of just like being interested in education and art and all these things, all was a perfect framework for what happened in 2016. And for anybody that doesn't know, in 2016, Donald Trump is elected president of the United States. I'm out doing subway therapy, like the, the original subway therapy, the day before or the day of the election, November 8th. 2016 election day and I'm talking to all these different people about their experience and and what they're thinking and it's weird because I knew that something weird was going on before any of my friends did because I was just talking to people in the subway about it and it was like people felt way more anxious Mm. about it I mean I was out there down in the subway talking to people for like four hours People were super anxious about it. And I talked to some people who had voted for Trump, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to go the way people in New York think it's going to go. And then that night, uh, I went to a a watch party, and most of my friends are very liberal, and they were melting. Mm. And I was like, we're going to figure this out. Don't worry. And people were just like (laughs) torn up about what you know the the like crazy unexpected result i remember like making a passing comment to my friend as i was leaving i was like well i guess i'm gonna do subway therapy tomorrow (laughs) i didn't you know it just seemed like it was the right thing to do and then i went out on the ninth and i brought sticky notes and pens and i figured people didn't want to talk to me because my experience in education and working with students with autism and, you know, different like conflict things that I had done. It basically led me to believe that if people really were going to have a hard time talking to me, then writing would be a really good way to just really quickly just get some off chest on your way to work, whatever. I set up a table, two chairs, sticky notes, pens, my uh, wall art and achievement I had a certificate of achievement that I got from the dollar store I was using for subway therapy. (laughs) So I had that up and then I just sat there and invited people to write. I wrote express yourself. Mm. And then like thousands of people wrote starting at around two o'clock in the afternoon until midnight. There were about uh, 3000 people that wrote on sticky notes. Wow. And then it got, are you calling for friends to get the sticky notes in? Like, how are you getting extra sticky notes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So (laughs) I call my friend, Adam, who's my best friend, the one that I talked about moving to New York with. Yeah. I was like, Adam, 
you got to bring me some more sticky notes. Some, this, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening. It's really wild. And so he brought me more notes. And then I ended up having another person bring me notes later. What happened to just run into? It's so funny because that day I was in the subway for 10 hours. Wow. I, maybe a little more. So from like 1.30 when I started setting up, I just didn't know what to do. It was totally unexpected. I guessed that people were going to write, but I didn't actually think that people were going to write with such fervor. Right. And so I didn't want to leave because I didn't want to risk, you know, somebody vandalizing it or trashing it or, or whatever. And so I kind of wanted to be like the gardener of that garden that I had started. I, I only went to the bathroom one time. Oh my, my friend, my friend <laughs> like happened to be, yeah, my <laughs> friend happened to be commuting home and I was like oh my gosh Kathy Anna, can you please can you please wait here <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom Trump gets elected I write express yourself and provide sticky notes thousands of people do that at 14th Street 6th Avenue and then the next day spread to Union Square and then it spread like to Oakland and Boston and San Francisco and all these other places in the nation over the next week or two, uh, super wild. So, so, I mean, so many questions, but tell me what were the one or two that stood out to you that impacted you and why? I think the one that I often talk about and I, I still think about it was one that said, I am having such a hard time. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it said something along the lines of, I'm having such a hard time telling my 12 year old that it's going to be okay mm. because I don't feel like it's going to be okay. And I don't really know what to tell her. Mm. And I just really remember thinking at that time when I read it, man, parents have such a hard job right now because people were feeling all these different ways and it must've been, immeasurably challenging to try and navigate an emotional space where adults, adults <laughs> were trying to process things for themselves, but then trying to explain to a child, the way that children talk the situation. Yeah. Because uh, you know, for like the entire year, at least before Trump is elected, people are talking about how he's a bully. Right. Yeah. And so if a bully gets elected to president, right? what when does we... that mean mm -hmm. to kids uh, as far as like, what are the rules of society? Mm. Do we celebrate bullies? I thought we didn't celebrate bullies. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Southern Poverty Law Center had a statistic out about the Trump effect and mm -hmm. how basically violence had directly increased in schools in relationship to his election. And also how in some cases it's, it's, you are more likely to be, or it's the equivalent of being inside a terrorist organization. Wow. It's like there was, it was the, as violent as, and I mean, I, I can't, we can't go down that rabbit hole, but what I think I notice about you it, just in the, looking at some of the sticky notes that were posted on your website and in places is you held space for both point of views. And as, yeah. as a conflict 
resolution person, you have to hold space for both points of view. How do you do that in this moment when I, so much of it for me personally is sitting on, you know, what I believe to be morally true and what Mm -hmm. I would quote unquote die on the cross for. Sure. So to hold space, and I'm, I, I too as a creative think, oh, I really want to hold space for the other, but I'm finding my stake is in the ground too strongly on one side right now. I think the way that you're speaking about it isn't the wrong way to feel. Like I think people should be so opinionated and have you know a stance that's really, really important to them. At that moment, I'd sort of been training for the last nine, you know, the nine months before 2016, you know, November 2016 shows up doing the Secret Keeper project. And then that turned into Subway Therapy. I want to talk about that moment when you realized this is beyond me. And you'd also kind of been set up to do that honestly, throughout your life, you've been doing that. So right. was it, was it a surprise? And then it seemed like, did you just, how did you navigate the rapid spread of it? Uh, I know the moment <clears throat> where it felt like I'd really done something. And it was that, that same night, it's midnight. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I stood back and I was just sort of trying to figure out how to process what had just happened. I just got interviewed by like New York One. There were all these notes. I was like, what do I even do? On the same day, this is all happening, that like the day that it starts to unfold. Yeah, okay. November 9th. Like, what do I even do? Right. And I was just looking at it and I, the way that people had put the sticky notes on the wall actually had formed this shape that looked like two wings that were coming from the table. Mm. And like it, angel wings. It felt like angel wings. Yeah. And I, I had that, like, I had that thought and I had this really, really strong, like, wash of emotion. Yeah. And I, I'm feeling it right now. Yeah. And it was so powerful it's like, whoa, I don't really know what just happened, but it's definitely beyond me. Yeah. Like something really wonderful has happened that I channeled mm-hmm. or like opened the doorway for. It's really, really wonderful. But yeah, it's like a natural shape. If you think of the way people stick things to places. Yeah. They kind of like, there's this density right at the center and then it kind of like shapes up to where mm-hmm. people's arms are. And so it looked, looked just like wings. It was really wild. I'm. There's a woman who we interviewed called Deborah Alma who has uh, a poetry ambulance. Kind of put me in mind of, she's in the UK. And so there's something about an artist, and I do believe we, we are channels for that moment. And I look to healing as well. The transformation is a healing. And that's so what right. we need in this moment. I want to be of this world for, for because I can just flow. I can just be in that other plane. Sure. And I would happily stay there. Yeah. But I kind of want to talk about the bridge between, because I think we need both right now. Mm. How do you 
support yourself. Like this became a book and it became two books, one for children and then one about this. The sticky notes are in this, you know, his historical society. Like there's very mm -hmm. practical elements of being someone who would take care of the world. But how do you take care of the caretaker? And I think mm. there are people within whom ideas of this scale or the beginnings, it's the beginnings. They don't know where it's going to go because you never know if you let your creativity go. Right. But the, the beginnings, the seed could be planted, but they can't even get there because survival is so much a part of their consciousness. When I was doing subway therapy, the very first time that I was going out, I was teaching art at a charter school in Canarsie. I was doing that full time and then going out on the weekends. And then I decided that wasn't the right fit for me. And I started walking dogs. So I don't want to do teaching. <laughs> it's a little rough in New York mm. and, and also not particularly suited for my laissez-faire style of structure. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I could just want to say somebody once told me that dogs are avatars of love and I totally believe that. So anyway, that's a sidebar. I think so too. I really do. They just give out this energy that's undeniably loving and so hopeful and excited. <laughs> uh, so I'm walking dogs. I want to make a little more money, so I start bartending. And basically through that period, I was doing subway therapy. And uh, I had when subway therapy took off, so in November in 2016, I had stopped walking dogs and I was just bartending. And that and that and that was enough. It wasn't a lot, and I think I probably had some money on my credit card stacked up for the last four years was able to live off of some of the book money that I made yep. and doing different projects for different organizations, getting honorariums for speaking, doing different things. And that has sustained me so far. Mm -hmm. It's the true artist. It's the true artist. I think in, in the sense of, are you coming here with a, I mean, you're in the middle of it, it seems like, but are you coming here with a movement in mind or a goal in mind for transformation of the place? I mean, it feels like it's still unfolding for you, but are you coming with some broader goal that you expect to achieve, do you think? I think the goal has changed over time. Mm -hmm. When I was doing subway therapy, I was very much in the front seat driving and people could see me driving yes and really what i'm trying to create now are installations and opportunities for people to be the driver if writing is the thing and that's the only how do i describe it if writing is the experience that allows people to share themselves with other people then they create the work by writing and if I'm sitting at the table, people are asking me for permission to do it. Interesting. And I actually don't like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want people to do that. I want them just to do it. Yeah. And so I've been trying to find ways to eliminate myself from my public works so that they can exist without me. And an example of that is a secret telephone. So it's an installation where there's a telephone sitting on a table 
And on the table is signage that says secret telephone, share a secret, listen to secrets. And if you pick up the phone, it says press one to share a secret, press two to listen to secrets. Mm. And if you press two, it plays a random secret that someone shared on that telephone by pressing one. And it's all set up. The team that I work on for it, Dean and Thomas, they're like, incredible creative people and they helped build it out and that's been that was the first time that i actually ever worked with a group to create a a piece of art yeah and that has evolved recently to be a podcasting support for individuals that are doing call-in stuff yep we created a covid19 call-in like just call in talk about how you're feeling because secret telephone essentially died because it was a telephone, a physical telephone in a park. Right. So you can't, you can't have touch using it. the same device <laughs> over and over. You know, no. it looks so weird. How many germs? Yeah. <laughs> so too many germs. Yeah. But yeah, we we had the project evolve. And again, my job. So before I was like artist, primary artist, look at me, I'm doing this thing. And then the sticky note thing happens and I think, okay, I actually want to create this environment where people don't have to ask me a white dude for permission to do a community based artwork. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the arbiter to like creative, curious exploration. Mm -hmm. I just want people to figure it out for themselves. So then I take a step back and then I think, okay, how can I take even more of a step back Mm -hmm. and just set something up somewhere and let it live, live. And so now actually really trying to do, we created something called people phone which people can check out at peoplephone.org. And we provide people with phone numbers so they can do call-in stuff. Mm. And there are different individuals that do that for podcasting. They do it for archival use. There's all sorts of different reasons why people do that. So now I'm like creating structural elements Mm -hmm. that allow people to do the things that they want to do. Two questions come to me is, what is it about secrets, do you think? And then why... Do you think it's important to have this means of expression in this moment now? Secrets are interesting, just in general, as, a, as like a concept. If I called you and said, hey, I have a secret I need to tell somebody, <laughs> you'd be excited. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you would. It just, I think most people, unless they have anxiety about like holding secrets for people, right. I think they're pretty excited if somebody tells I, them. I, I don't like secrets because I find that inevitably I've shared them with people who, for whom I am a stage, right? <laughs> just going to like break them forth. Right. They're going to just share it with the audience, right? So yeah. it's like I don't love it. And I always feel right. like the truth will set you free. I do. But I get yes. it. I'm just I'm, But yes, let's keep talking. But I get it, you know. I think there's something so fun about secrets and it's childish and a lot of people have secrets that they, that they uh, have accrued over a (laughs) lifetime. Some people don't and I respect that, but you know, I think people have like a few that they don't even think of as secrets until they're presented with an opportunity to share one. Right. And they're like, Oh man, there is this thing that I've never told anybody that I guess it's a secret. So when you hear stuff that you wouldn't normally hear, it provides like something really interesting mm. as like a human experience. Like I, I do think we like unearthing hidden stuff. Agreed. Yep. 
Agreed. And so that's very It's exciting. other people's stuff. Not always our own, yeah. unfortunately. If we could unearth yeah. our own hidden stuff, it would we would be fixed as a culture yeah. in a society. Yeah. But anyway, that's a sidebar. If we take a design perspective and look at some of the challenges that we have as a society and what we're missing, like there's all this knowledge, mm -hmm. like in religion and in like ancestral knowledge and in different cultures that can give us and provide us with all the things that we need in terms of like connection and ritual and like daily experience. And we just aren't using it. And I think, like, how do you create that moment of connection randomly? The Sticky Note Project is a really good version of it with subway therapy. Being able to talk to a random therapist that's sitting there. It's, like, obviously BS, but, but also, like, not people talk to me about really serious stuff. Yeah. Like, like, marital problems and suicide and, like, all these different things. And then, you know, secret telephone is, like, such a fun thing. But it does let you jump into someone's life for a second. Mm. And I think that regular experience creates empathy and it creates community and it creates connection. And you can imagine what those people's lives are like. And therefore it makes you a more well-rounded person and better at making connections when you have the opportunity to make them with people. So mm. that's sort of my mission now mm -hmm. is to drive society towards connection and towards understanding by creating different, you know, experiences. When I was a kid, I had two ducks and I was their mom. Oh. And I, even when I think about it, there was no male energy in that equation. Yeah. It was just, I had these two ducks, they were my chicks. I was their mom. They followed me around in a line when I would walk into the, they didn't do it with my other family members. It was just me. There's two of them, Zach and Quack, and they would follow me around. How old and were you? Six or seven. I love it. Maybe. Yep. So now I'll send you a picture. Yeah, maybe. I love it. And then at some point I was like, well, they have to fly. And my parents were like, we don't want them to fly. <laughs> I was like, no, they have to. And so I would be out in the yard throwing them up into the air. Like, you got to learn, you got to try, you got to go. Um, a shaman told me once that that experience of being a mom for them, yes. like they, they gave me something in return. And that was the, I, maybe it's like the feminine energy that's part of me, right. but the ability to try and like lift up others. Right. I learned from a very young age being the mother. Duck love. Ducks. Duck love. Yeah, yeah whatever so yeah, I had to get rid of my ducks because my dad wanted to get a hunting dog. Oh no. And I just like couldn't, you know, yeah. like as a kid, can you imagine you like have these children? No. You have to give up your children so that someone can go out and like kill the things that you love. And I used to go hunting with my dad after. And, you know, the dog would go out and he would bring the ducks back. And then I would like hold them while they were dying. Oh. It's it's interesting you forgave him too. Maybe this is why I can hold the space yeah. really well between the two sides. Mm. It's just, I, I, it wasn't even like it needed forgiveness. I just knew that he was the way that he was and there wasn't any. Was it, it wasn't related. He didn't 
do that act to you. He just. Yeah. I didn't take it personally. Yeah. But I definitely would like cry and mourn for the <laughs> duck's life. <laughs> Try and comfort it in its last moments. Super tragic. I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. So I'm not laughing. No, because, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Oh. Poor duck. You're the first male guest we've interviewed on this podcast. Mm. So <laughs> Which I'm so like, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. It's so wonderful. Yeah. And I am so grateful that you chose Yes, me. no, I am grateful too that we, I don't, again, random, the random nature of the internet and how I did discover you because I do actually know of a woman called Collective Ripples who is in Australia doing something with sticky notes that's not the same, but that I'm guessing may have had its inspiration from you. You know, oh, I, I, that's wonderful. I would love to talk. Yeah, to her. I would love to to hook you up because she's wonderful. I feel that creativity is feminine in its nature, and mm. so that the way that you are brokering the transformation and the harmony and all of that feels more feminine than what is traditionally masculine leadership. And there's all kinds of different theories about how leadership is less masculine and feminine, more individual. There's a space of, I mean, Mm. I don't, and I don't know if you see it or quantify it in that way or care if the space that you're inhabiting when you're trying to resolve the conflict, is it gender free? I love it though, because when I was in college, I was extremely interested in gendered performance Mm. and why people perform in certain ways. And this is really before people are talking about the, the trans movement or any any movements towards, I mean, at the time when I was in college, there just weren't as many names for things. And so I did a whole series of explorations as a man, a straight man, cis man, that was really interested in the boundaries of gender And can I perform as female Mm. by wearing lipstick or earrings or wearing a dress or things of this nature Mm. while still maintaining my like male identity? And so I did all these different things. Like I wore lipstick and earrings and I did a series of photos and dresses mm-hmm. to try and see like how I would feel in those clothes mm-hmm. or in with makeup on or in different ways. And I was just so interested at like why people are so ingrained in heteronormative society. Mm-hmm. And I never felt, and like, this is, as I'm talking to you, like my beard is massive. This is like way <laughs> more than I usually have. But like, you know, at the time I had like really long curly hair and a really short beard, but then I'd be wearing lipstick and have earrings on. And so my goal was to be as close to the liminal space between male and female as possible. It actually comes up a lot. And I think about it often in college, especially my friends considered me to be very much one of the girls. Right. I would get invited to girls night. I had girl roommates. Right. I always had like a big crew of friends that were women. Right. And I just didn't care about all the classic male 
stereotypes. I didn't want to be a part of it really. I thought it was dumb. Right. <laughs> Who wants to be just like a hulking idiot walking around, you know, being, you know, whatever. But you weren't bullied <laughs> but, for that. You weren't bullied for that. You got to exist in that way. I mean, I think that's what's so, so you, 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 in looking at you, you're so you, if that makes sense. That's so wonderful to hear. Yeah. One of the, I will say, I'm super lucky to feel very comfortable going either direction mm. because I was a jock in high school mm. and I wrestled and I really, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I had like my hulking idiot moments. <laughs> I was like, really, all I wanted to do was win. And that was the only thing I cared about. And then I went to a star reader in Korea. This is in 2015. And he said that I had like really, really strong. I can't remember if it's yin or yang. I think it's yin. Is the female one? I think yin is the female one, yeah. He was like, you have really strong like yin. He's like, the fire that you have is like moon fire. It's not like typical like male fire. It's like a different type of fire. Right. And I was like, that's super interesting and weird. <laughs> and also well, I like, you know, didn't, I didn't mind hearing that at all. I was like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. This, that's well, this beautiful. is, this is the time. I mean, this is probably also the most spiritually minded conversation we've had. I'm, I'm going to the woo place for all of you. Not, not already aware that we're here, <laughs> okay. but it's like, it is that idea that this is the time of the divine feminine. Right. So it mm. makes sense in my mind anyway, that for you to broker massive transformation in this moment, you have to really embody those characteristics. I, yeah. I, I do believe because I think we are in profound need of what is considered feminine because it has been so diminished. And with this particular president has brought up all of the fire. I, I mean, femininity is fierce. Right. It's right. brought it up in a new and the moon moves the tides. So there's lots of things that in this moment are, are it's interesting the way that you're leading because you're again holding space for both sides, which I do consider feminine. And you are, I mean, most leaders do that, but you're definitely is what you're saying. I'm wanting other people to do it for themselves. And that right. is fundamentally feels very creative. It feels like a creative way to approach something and it feels like a feminine way to approach something because most creatives will tell you that things move through them. A lot of creatives right. don't, you know, it, de it depends on how ingrained you are in the, this culture, but a lot of people do believe that the work comes through them. It, it, it is of them, but it, it, they are the channel, at least the, the creatives that I know. I think that openness yes. of like, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to explore. And I actually think that that creative openness is very feminine. I do think so too. Yeah. And I am so lucky to have that. Right. Because I know I have, you know, a lot of friends who are men who just, they can't, they can't like process the world in that way. Mm -hmm. And, and I just feel immeasurably lucky to have whatever, I don't know what it stars or, 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 you know, God or whatever it is that allows me to hold that space mm -hmm. and be comfortable in that feminine energy. It's just, it's such a blessing and I feel so good about it. I really wish that men could think about power differently. Mm. 
because it's so bad for society to strive towards greatness on top of others. We're using others to get that. I feel like that's a very male way to gain power. Mm. Like I'm stronger than you. And therefore like I, in, in like beating you in, in like defeating you, I can show that I'm really powerful mm-hmm. and really it's like fake power. It's like not, I guess it's like physical power that's ingrained in us as a species maybe, but it's just not, it's not the power of creating life. It's not the power of shaping a child to be balanced mm-hmm. and just and you know, powerful in there in like all of the ways that is possible. Mm-hmm. It's just such a small, it's such a small power. And I would like for people to find the larger power for men to like really think about it as like, that's the actual power. And the power that a lot of men have right now is so fragile and it requires so much upkeep that it's just a waste of time and energy and, and, it just puts down other people. If I ask you to complete the sentence, my wish for every other woman is? My wish for every other woman is to find and enjoy the power that is inside. You have all of the answers when you ask the right questions. Be visible. Speak your truth. Every other woman needs you to lead. Voice Lessons is produced, written, and spoken by me, Kim Cutable. It's also produced and edited by Sergio Miranda and associate produced by Jessica Manalga. Our music was created by singer-songwriter Claire Hamill. You can find out when we post new episodes when you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And if you liked what you've heard, we would love it if you leave us a review. You can join our community at Facebook forward slash Voice Lessons Podcast to speak with me live after every episode is posted. And if you have a question or comment or want to suggest a guest, you can do it there. Or if you're on Instagram, tag us at Voice Lessons Podcast and use the hashtag LessonUp. For other inspiration, updates, and show notes, subscribe at VoiceLessonsPodcast.com. 